If you're traveling to the North Country Fair, where the winds hit heavy. Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 220 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a discussion of the National West Bank Fraud Spoofing Guilty Plea and Settlement. Well, Happy New Year again. Uh, 2022 is here. It's a good year. El- Hello, everyone, and I appreciate your joining me today. Before um, we get started, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor from uh, Steel Compliance. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, I haven't done much in the uh, sort of spoofing fraud issue, which is uh, it's a contentious area because there's some people who claim that the fraud and the impact of the fraud, fraudulent behavior isn't as bad as the Justice Department believes it is, but... Um, be that as may, what there's more interesting information here because this was an enforcement action brought at the end of 2021, and there's some important um, new developments that reflect some of the principles that were outlined by Lisa Monaco, the Deputy Attorney General, in a policy speech in October of 2021 where she outlined um, white-collar enforcement priorities and a new aggressive approach. So let's take a look at this. Uh, basically, NatWest, which is the old uh, Royal Bank of Scotland, uh, and that doesn't change their prior record of regulatory and criminal uh, enforcement actions. But uh, NatWest um, ended up pleading guilty to trade manipulation referred to as spoofing in the U.S. Treasury markets. Uh, and the net and its resolution reflected the new changes in DOJ's white-collar enforcement policies 
including acknowledgement and consideration of NatWest's prior misconduct, criminal and civil, and led to the appointment of an independent compliance monitor. NatWest was not offered a deferred or non-prosecution agreement. Instead, it was required to plead guilty to a criminal charge of securities fraud and another charge of wire fraud. So spoofing is the trading practice where traders place sales or purchase orders with no intention to consummate the transactions. Traders who place such orders will cancel the orders prior to consummation. Under the plea agreement, NatWest agreed that during the period of 2008 to 2014, traders in its Stamford, Connecticut, and London offices spoofed the market for Treasury futures contracts. In addition, two traders at NatWest Singapore branch spoofed the secondary uh, cash market for Treasury securities in 2018. The spoofing scheme violated a 2017 non-prosecution agreement between the U.S. and NatWest's broker-dealer subsidiary and occurred while NatWest was on probation for a separate conviction for manipulation of the foreign currency exchange market. So DOJ, in its resolution, and this reflects the new sort of more aggressive approach, cited NatWest's status as a repeat offender as justification for requiring a criminal guilty plea to two counts. Under the plea agreement, NatWest markets will pay $35 million in restitution, forfeiture, and a criminal fine and serve three years uh, probation and take on an independent compliance monitor. Now, in requiring that NatWest plead guilty to this two-count information, the Justice Department cited uh, NatWest or Royal Bank of Scotland's sort of lengthy record. First, there was the material breach of NatWest's October 25, 2017 non-prosecution agreement and its status on probation following its uh, May 20, 2015 guilty plea for conspiracy to manipulate the foreign currency exchange market. Now, DOJ also cited NatWest's substantial prior criminal history of similar conduct in the securities and commodities markets. Uh, Also, DOJ cited several civil regulatory settlements involving the CFTC, a separate settlement involving misrepresentations in underwriting and issuing issuing of uh, residential mortgage-backed securities, and a guilty plea in the United Kingdom by a banking affiliate for violating UK money laundering regulations between 2016 and 2021. So NatWest did not receive credit for voluntary disclosure, although it reported the conduct pursuant to its reporting obligations under the non-prosecution agreement. So because it was required to provide uh, notice, they could not get credit for a voluntary disclosure. Now, NetWest received credit for cooperation for providing all relevant facts known to it and partial credit for producing documents from foreign countries, proactively identifying important documents and information and making an employee available for interview and collecting and analyzing and organizing voluminous evidence and information. However, NatWest was not able to produce certain trading data relevant to the 2008 to 2014 scheme because the data was no longer available. Um, On the remediation side, NatWest improved its compliance program internal controls, and they had already started to do this after the 2008 to 2014 misconduct, including expansion of its automated trails, trades surveillance, implementing a new market abuse policy and statement of conduct, 
and completing remediation after its foreign exchange guilty plea. After they discovered the 2018 scheme, however, NatWest promptly investigated a counterparty complaint, remediated technical and training issues that contributed to a delay by surveillance personnel in escalating the trading misconduct, and suspended and later terminated the two traders involved, and then terminated the supervisor as well. So, as noted by DOJ, NatWest had an inadequate and ineffective compliance program and set of internal controls. Uh, since uh, this conduct and in, as, at the time of the resolution, they had enhanced its compliance program and internal controls. Uh, and notwithstanding these efforts, though, DOJ imposed an independent compliance manor, uh, monitor. And uh, that's a, a big development because it shows, again, uh, we haven't had a, a DOJ appoint uh, a compliance monitor uh, for over a year. And this is uh, the first time that we've seen the new white collar commencement, white collar commencement, white collar enforcement procedures uh, instituted in reality, implemented in reality, leading to a compliance monitor. So let's uh, take a look, um, you know, at the sort of spoofing schemes and how it worked. Um, NetWest's fraudulent spoofing uh, schemes, as I mentioned, occurred in the primary and secondary markets for U.S. Department of Treasury securities, including derivatives that track the prices of U.S. Treasury securities for five-year, 10-year, and 30-year Treasury notes and bonds. Between January 2008 and May 2014, a NatWest trader in London, trader number one, and NatWest broker-dealer in Stanford, trader number two, engaged in a number of schemes to defraud relating to the placement of U.S. Treasury futures contracts. Separately, in 2018, two traders, trader number three and trader number four, employed at NatWest's uh, branch in Singapore, engaged in a scheme to defraud in connection with the purchase and sale of U.S. Treasury securities in the cash market. Now, in, fur in furtherance of their respective schemes, the traders placed orders to buy and sell certain U.S. Treasuries with the intent to cancel those orders before execution as a means to earn profits by deceiving other market participants concerning the existence of genuine supply and demand for U.S. Treasuries. So on hundreds of occasions, the NatWest traders placed orders for U.S. Treasuries that they intended to execute. Now, those are called genuine orders. And sometimes the genuine orders, you'll love this term, were iceberg orders. That's why I love traders. Uh, iceberg orders so that other market participants could see only a portion of the order's full size at any given time. Following those orders, the NatWest traders also place spoof orders on the opposite side of the market from the genuine orders. The spoof orders were intended to inject false and misleading information about the genuine supply and demand for U.S. Treasuries. This materially false and misleading information was intended to deceive other market participants into reacting to the apparent change and imbalance in supply and demand by buying and selling U.S. Treasuries at quantities, prices, and times that they otherwise likely would not have traded. So the spoof orders to sell U.S. Treasuries, let's say, were intended to drive down the prices of the Treasuries so that they could get their genuine orders fulfilled at a lower price. 
So as an example of the fraudulent scheme, uh, they cited on June 24th, 2013 at 3.45 a.m., Trader One in London placed an iceberg genuine order to buy 1,000 10-year U.S. Treasury note futures contracts at $125.40625. And they displayed that they uh, were interested in two contracts to the market. Next, 10.156 seconds later, Trader One placed a spoof order to sell 1,010-year U.S. Treasury note futures contracts at uh, a higher price, which was at 125.421875, with fraudulent intent to move the price lower. Shortly thereafter, Trader One's genuine order to buy was filled in its entirety. Three seconds later, Trader One canceled his spoof order. Trader One referenced his deceptive trading practice in, in electronic chats with NatWest colleagues, especially when his spoof orders were filled by other market participants despite his intentions and before he could cancel them. Trader One often mentioned that he feared getting caught for spoofing. Another example occurred on July 25, 2012 at 10 in the morning when Trader 2 in Stanford placed a genuine order to buy 10 ultra-bond future contracts at $179.90625. Less than three minutes later, Trader 2 placed a spoof order to sell 500 ultra-bond futures on the opposite side to sell at $175.9375. Shortly after that, Trader 2's genuine order to buy was filled, and immediately thereafter, Trader 2 canceled his spoof order. Now, the fraudulent trading practice is extended to the cash market for U.S. Treasury securities, and now we go to the Singapore incident. On July 2, 2018, Trader 3 in Singapore placed genuine orders to sell 50,000 10-year U.S. Treasury notes at 100.234375. Approximately 13 minutes later, Trader 3 placed a spoof order to buy uh, 500,000 10-year U.S. Treasury notes at 100.21875 lower. Trader 3's genuine order to sell was filled in its entirety. Trader 3 immediately canceled his spoof orders. Now, two supervisors learned about the spoofing conduct The supervisor suspended two traders in Singapore and ultimately terminated both of them. However, the supervisor advised Trader 3 on how to hide his fraudulent scheme from NatWest compliance personnel. The supervisor was subject to the DOJ non-prosecution agreement and required to report any illegal conduct by its employees. The supervisor's attempt to hide the fraudulent conduct could have concealed the criminal conduct, and another supervisor uh, attempted to cover up the illegal market conduct, and both of these supervisors were later terminated from NatWest. The total losses from the schemes uh, to defraud was approximately $6.7 million. Anyways, an interesting case, uh, NatWest... particularly for the guilty plea requirement and the appointment of a compliance monitor and indicating we are in a new era right now. Uh, And so, as I've said, 2022 is going to be a big year 
uh, in enforcement in general, not just in FCPA. So everyone uh, should uh, buckle up, get ready. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year uh, in the, the Department of Justice world. Well, thanks again, and appreciate you all listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website www.volkovlaw.com You can also follow our award-winning blog Corruption, Crime, and Compliance and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address mvolkov at volkovlaw.com If you go When the snowflakes fall When the rivers freeze Please see for me if she's wearing a coat so warm To keep her from the howling wind If you're traveling in the north country fair When the winds hit heavy on the borderline Please say hello To one who lives there For she was once A true love of In the North Country Fair Where the winds hit heavy On the borderline Remember me To one who lives there She once was A true love True love of mine